Hello, I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. It is July 5th. Hope you had a good 4th of July celebration, if you celebrated. Kai is out today, but joining me is Marketplace's Matt Levin. Welcome back. Hey, it's good to be back, Kimberly. Good times. Did you do anything fun for the 4th? Um, we mostly just tried to soothe our dog from the fireworks extravaganza that was, that was happening. Yeah. Um, I, I've become like a huge curmudgeon now. Every time there's fireworks, I'm just like, do we have to, do we have to do this? Um, anyway, how was yours? Hopefully, hopefully funner in mine. Funner. Yes, it was funner than yours. Um, I definitely um, uh, had some people over. It's it's my uncle's uh, birthday as well. And so you know, he's glad that they do fireworks for him every year. So it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, we had a good time. Um, nice. But in the meantime, let us do some news. You've got many notes and things in here. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I use I use a lot of bullet points so I remember bullet what the points. heck I'm supposed to say. Yeah. <laughs> um so my news item is probably the big tech news uh of the day, which doesn't involve AI um for the first time in a while, but uh Kimberly, will you be um signing up or have you signed up already for Threads? Have not, and I'm not planning to at the moment. It I was dragged kicking and screaming onto Instagram, so <laughs> I uh, avoid uh, certain platforms, shall we say, <laughs> due to privacy concerns. Gotcha. But, uh, no, it's it's not it's not in the plan at the moment. But you know, we're journalists. Sometimes we end up on platforms we'd rather not be on anyway. Yep. Yep, that's exactly right. So just by way of background, uh, Threads here is uh, Meta's Twitter imitation app, is what I'm going to call it. Meta is the parent company of Facebook and Instagram. Um, I just still refer to it as Facebook. But this is supposed to be the Twitter killer, Threads, that is. This is supposed to take away all the bad things um, that we have, I guess, traditionally, or at least most recently associated with Twitter, um, and uh, provide some type of uh, positive public discourse around various topics of public interest. Um, and it debuts tomorrow. Um, there, what, what was your reaction? So well known for curating that. <laughs> <laughs> what was your reaction when you heard this beyond the like immediate, oh man, another platform? I mean that was the that was the reaction of yeah. another platform, but also it just sort of reminded me that this has kind of been meta strategy, um, you know, for years and years and years. It's that you know they imitate something and and try to dominate the marketplace or or buy it up or something like that. And I just I wonder if people have kind of just moved on from needing a Twitter type thing. Like since I'm. You know, I checked Twitter to see if anybody's DM'd me, but other than that, I don't yeah. really engage with the platform too much, and I'm all right. You know, I look at Blue Sky, I look at Mastodon, um, but I'm not like hurting in my soul because I can't be on Twitter all the time anymore. It's probably better. So for that, me. <laughs> that's exactly what I want to talk about. Is it that to me is the fundamental question here? Is whether people have collectively kind of moved on from social media, at least having such a dominant part of their day-to-day -day lives. Because I do feel like since Musk took over Twitter, 
there has been a reassessment as to, oh man, I'm on this stuff all the time. Like, like obviously TikTok is a different thing. That's not yeah. traditional social media. That's, that's video entertainment primarily, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of the web 2.0, the Twitters, the Facebooks, even Instagram, even though a lot of people are on Instagram, I, I do kind of feel there's been a reassessment here as to the centrality of it in everyone's day-to-day life. Although maybe that's hopeful, hopeful thinking. I'm sure there are some really smart researchers actually collating data on this at the moment. And I imagine in yes. another six months to a year, we'll probably we'll have, have numbers. some solid numbers on how people's social media usage overall changed after Musk took over Twitter. And I think that we will see what you're talking about, which is a decline on overall social media usage. Um because one of the things that Twitter did was point back to content on other social media sites. Yep. You know, how many TikToks do you find out about? Did you find out about because you saw them posted on Twitter? How yep. many Facebook posts, you know, were linked on Twitter or screenshotted on Twitter? And so I imagine that there's going to be an overall decline in usage once we actually get final numbers. I'm, I'm certainly using less social media. I'm using more platforms, but I'm yep. doing less social media than I was. Yep. Um, the other part of this that is interesting, at least from a strategic perspective, is I don't s- really understand why Zuckerberg wants to get into this space. Because it's not as if Twitter is a huge moneymaker, right? Tw- Twitter has never been a huge moneymaker. And revenues among the social media companies are, you know, Twitter is much smaller than most of the other social media companies. So it's not going to be, you know, a a money machine. And then if it is as successful as Twitter, that means you're if you're going to be like the center for public discourse, that like infinitely increases your odds of being called before Congress to testify, right? And Zuckerberg mm-hmm. and Facebook have tried to move away from being in the political theater kind of as much as possible post-2016. So just strategically, I'm, you know, it, I don't know. When I, when I read the news, I was like, huh, they're, they're doing this, huh? Um, I think so. it's an attempt to get revenue wherever they can. Even if it's not much, it's another income stream. It's another place to serve ads because they're probably looking at all sure. those advertisers who no longer feel comfortable being on Twitter or sure. who see Twitter as not being effective. So why not grab the money if it's on the table? Sure, especially if it's not too expensive to launch. The flip side, though, is that advertising revenue is also going to, like, Netflix now has an advertising tier, right? And all these other platforms are out there where the advertising money is chasing. So I just think there's there's more competition for them, too. I don't know. It'll mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see. I'll sign up, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Will you? Well, let me know how it is. And I yeah. just sent you your blue sky invite so we c- you can compare the two. <laughs> I, I did. It looks exactly like Twitter. <laughs> it looks exactly like Twitter. <laughs> uh, um, for all of our talk of moving on from it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, my news is the Washington Post uh, has this new um, series. I mean... It's called Work Reimagined. I mean, it's not a new series. Anyway, they have a series called Work Reimagined, and it looks at a bunch of different things about how our work life is changing. But the most recent piece in this is about the boomers retiring and why that's bad news for workers and how Mm -hmm. the retiring boomers 
are reshaping the workforce. And this is something that, you know, we've talked about a couple times on here, and it's coming up more and more in conversations that I have with people, you know, all over the places, you know, I travel and stuff. But I really think this country is not economically prepared for the aging of baby boomers and what kind of needs that's going to create in terms of healthcare workforce, in terms yeah. of, you know, shoring up Social Security and all of these other things. I was just talking to my aunt about this the other day. And, you know, not that this is anybody's fault. Well, yes, it is people's fault in terms of how our government has chosen to spend our resources <laughs> over time. But anyway, it's not the fault of the boomers that this is this is coming. But We ignore the economic consequences of this at our peril. And the Washington Post really look into how the fact that since boomers are working longer, it's cushioned the shock to the system a little bit. But it's 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 going to be rough. And the fact is that there are going to be way, way fewer people in the workforce supporting um, the actual people who need the support in the economy. Read the post piece. It's very fascinating and um, is (laughs) one of the quotes was it's a hydra of a numbers problem and we're not trying (laughs) to handle any of those heads. That's from economist Catherine Ann Edwards in the piece. But it's that's accurate. That's where we're headed. So read the piece. if you haven't started making plans for older family members or yourself, just be aware of the economy that folks are going to be retiring into and hopefully living long into uh, after retirement is going to be probably a challenging one. So that's my you, news. Yeah. Do you think this influences the immigration debate at all or or not? Not yet, but I think it will. Um, yeah. And we only have to look to Eastern Europe, um, not even Eastern Europe, but just different parts of Europe to see that where they had a lot of um, aging populations and not enough labor force and opened up to immigration and had a lot of people coming in to work. And then that led to a lot of cultural, um, mm-hmm. let's say, discontent, <laughs> shall we say, yeah. uh, in many European countries. But they didn't have the labor force. And as a result, um, that is why a lot of these European countries are now way more diverse than they were, say, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And I think that, you know, people complained so much about there not being enough, you know, fast food and restaurant workers Mm -hmm. since we've come out of the pandemic, you know, without acknowledging the fact that a crackdown on immigration played a key role in that. And as... I know some states, they're trying to look at ways to bring in more foreign healthcare workers and, and improve the visa access for that. It's a federal issue. But there's people looking at that because we need more workers and our economy is not producing enough of them. So we'll see. Um, we'll see if it can get past the sort of rhetoric around immigration. Um, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. I'm not expecting anyone to say anything as nuanced as you just laid out. Probably in next year's election, but 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 maybe after, maybe after. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, All right, we'll let's see. get to some smiles. Let's do it. Love yours. Why don't you talk about it? Uh, well, for those that might have missed yesterday's Fourth of July marketplace, we do this my economy series where people kind of 
call in and talk about um, their businesses, essentially. Um, I, I like these. Uh, but yesterday's really stood out. Um, this was, uh, I believe Maria put this together, I think. Um, this was Maria a... Yes, that's right. Sorry. Um, this was about a business called Hard Hat Cats, um, which is a nonprofit based in New York. It's run by this uh, delightful woman named Sheila Massey. And um, New York, I don't know if you knew this, Kimberly, there's a pretty big rat problem there. And what, <laughs> and what Sheila decided to do was to take feral cats from animal shelters and then place them in businesses, apartments, and especially, I guess, breweries and distilleries really have bad rat problems in, like, mm -hmm. Brooklyn, I guess, um, and say, hey, you got a rat problem. We got these cats that maybe don't like people, but they also really don't like rats. Seems mm -hmm. like there's a there's a match here that we can make. Um, they've placed 30 cats so far. By all accounts, it's been a, a pretty impressive success story. Uh, it was just a really well done uh, uh, My Economy yesterday. So if you missed the show because of the holiday, check that one out. Um, it's it's a good one. Jasper, I assume, approves. Yes, yes. What's Jasper, yours? Jasper uh, <laughs> is useless when it comes to hunting vermin. Um, God bless, because he's lost his hearing. First of all, he can't oh. hear them. And so occasionally he'll like sniff out and I think that there's something going on, but then he'll just give up. But I remember one time I tried to put him next to like a centipede hoping he would go for it. And he just like looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, absolutely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, nice. He's yeah. above that. He's like, yeah, this is not my job. My job is yeah. to sit here and look cute. Um, okay. <laughs> I've got two space-related stories. Number one, nice. I'm still um, trying to wrap my head around this major scientific discovery uh, that actually came out a couple days ago. Um, or maybe it was even last week, where all of this consortium of scientists from all over the world made this big announcement about the fact that the universe is basically bobbing along on all these giant gravitational waves and things about space-time, and it's just very interesting. Yeah. I still don't fully understand it. I've watched so many videos about it, and like I hear the scientists explain it, and I'm like, okay, I've got it, but then as soon as I'm done listening to them, it's just out of my brain completely. <laughs> and so what I'm left with is the fact of seeing all of these scientists so excited, I think is so nice. It's just, they get really happy and I'm very happy for them. And I think it's really cool that scientists who might normally be kind of like competing with each other somehow agreed to like not scoop each other on this and oh, work nice. together to put out this sort of batch of papers at the same time on this thing that's basically changing the way we think about physics and the way we think about the universe. And I'm very excited to hear more about it. Maybe we can do a deep dive and have somebody like explain it to me one more time. Um, I, I would definitely listen to that episode because I don't get this yeah. either. Okay, good. It's not just me. <laughs> All right. Um, the other one that's fun and space-related, you remember the helicopter that was on Mars that everybody thought was super cool? Don't, okay, but don't I don't pay. track space okay, news right. as much as you do. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. I, I embrace my nerdiness. Anyway, there was a helicopter on Mars, which was just 
unbelievable. Um, it's called Ingenuity. And it was making all these flights on Mars and taking pictures and doing all that stuff. Um, but it has been silent for like the last two months. And hmm. a lot of people thought that maybe it was, you know, having some problems or whatever. Anyway, it's back up. They've reestablished contact. Um, it was mainly because there was a Martian hill that was blocking the line of sight communications with the um, Perseverance rover. But, you know, you always get worried when you don't hear from our fun little visitors <laughs> on the red planet. So glad to hear that we are hearing from Ingenuity again and there's success. And what it's going to be working on now is a series of health checks ahead of its hmm. 53rd flight, which I guess... Uh, might uh, take place sometime in the next couple weeks. And so we've got on the show notes a story about that. And I thought it was fun. And it made me smile. Yay, ingenuity. Yay. It's always <laughs> nice not to be ghosted by uh, by a helicopter or anything else. So hur hur hooray yeah. for reestablishing contact. Yes, good stuff. All right, well, that is it for us for today. <laughs> we are going to be back tomorrow. Please keep sending us your comments and questions or even any little audio snippets that you think might be interesting for us to talk about. We are at 508-UB-SMART, or you can write us at makemesmart at marketplace.org. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter. Today's program was engineered by Jake Cherry. Our intern is Neela Farshabandi. Ben Tolliday and Daniel Ramirez composed our theme music. Our senior producer is Marissa Cabrera. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. You said it was your uncle who had his birthday on July 4th? Mm-hmm. Does that mean he gets a cake on July 4th? I made him a cake, actually. Oh, wow. He wanted the cake that my grandmother, his mother, used to make for him when he was a child. So I had to call my grandmother and get the instructions uh, to make said cake, which was basically a strawberry shortcake. And so I made a strawberry shortcake for him yesterday. Nice. Nice. I haven't had strawberry shortcake in a really long time.